Hello, cruel world, and welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Lockdown Randawa, and with me is Samantha, the quarantine queen. He's... Oh, I like my title today. <laughs> <laughs> Mine sounds like that. That would be my wrestler name. Yeah, you a sound wrestler, like a wrestler. A I lockdown. sound like a fancy person. Yeah. I wonder who the first person who posted something on Instagram with them and like a mimosa and hashtag that quarantine queen. And they thought they were like, oh, you know what? I fucking nailed it. I'm so smart. I'm so clever. And then everyone followed. It was really all that one lady. Yeah. It was all Sarah from Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, Sarah. She nailed it. The true quarantine queen. <laughs> Shout out to you. <laughs> well, Samantha, my quarantine queen, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. We, uh, we've had a really nice long weekend. Yeah, it's hard to tell that there was a long weekend here because we don't, like, leave the house all that much, but it was nice. It actually felt like a bit of a holiday. Yeah. And things are warming up here, which I know is late, the rest of the world is saying, but we, uh, it's cold here. Yeah, most of the time. So we're getting outside more, we're enjoying the sun, and uh, quarantine restrictions are starting to lift a little bit, so the government said that we could have small gatherings in large backyards, so that's what we did this weekend. Yeah, but they said, like, you can have 50 people. We oh, had I know. four. Um, so yeah, so I'm doing good. Are you still still hanging on? I got nothing to complain about. I'm having a good old time. Good old time. Oh, yeah, I guess, like, we're always like, hey, this is fine, but everyone else is very dour about it, because it's serious. It is serious. a lot of it's people. It's serious. So we have to be more like, um, what are all the things we have to say? I should redo my intro. In these unprecedented, uncertain times, we're so glad that you could join us on I Love This, You Should Too. We realize that this is a very difficult time, and we're pivoting to the new normal. We should play drinking games. All of you watch TV. I was TV just thinking about that. <laughs> and do take a drink every time. Pivot. New normal. Unprecedented times. Uncertain times. Yes. Um, I feel like I don't have that big a drink. Um, so I can't. I feel like I just finished it if I drink for every time that you said one of those words. What is your drink today, Samantha? Um, today we are drinking one of my favorite beers. Uh, the White Wedding White Pastry Stout from Town Square Brewing. It's a local one here in Edmonton, and you might be wondering, like, white stout, what even is that? I don't know how to explain it. It's like magic. But they're delicious. I've only ever had probably three white stouts before, and they've all been so good. Because you kind of get the creaminess and the sweetness from a proper stout, but mm -hmm. it doesn't have the same... Um, I wouldn't call stouts bitter, but this... They tend to have a little bit of a coffee flavor almost A lot them, of them, yeah. So they'll be a little bit more bitter that way. This, um, they actually create it by putting a full wedding cake in it. So it's a, kind of a collaboration with a local uh, bakery. And um, the funny thing, it has a beautiful label. Um, and the bakery actually decorates the wedding cake like this, even though it's like just going into a giant vat of beer. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's kind of neat to, to see the dedication they put into yeah. brewing this. Either way, it's very good. Cheers. Cheers. Well, what do we have in store for our dear, dear listeners today, Samantha? Well, we're continuing on our um, kind of streaming service recommendations. Um, I am really excited to celebrate two Canadian shows. Ooh, Canadian content. Yes, and your sound uh, kind of classic. 
celebrating some classics. Sure. Uh, so, uh, Indy, do you want to start us off with your first quarantine streaming pick? Sure. So we are going to head on over to Netflix. And I'm not sure if I just looked deeper into Netflix, but I remember a few weeks ago I said there's not a lot of great stuff on there. People think it's great. Yeah. But in the last while, they've released a lot of movies that aren't their own on the platform. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of stuff I really like. So I am going to go back to the year of 2014 and a little bear named Paddington. Paddington. I am a big fan of the Paddington movie. If you're not familiar, uh, Paddington is a bear from darkest Peru and eventually goes to London. He was a in many books, had a cartoon series, and then this is a big live action movie. And he's a small bear who loves marmalade. And he's found at the Paddington Station in London. That's why they name him Paddington. And he's adopted by a uh, middle class family named the Browns. And it's a really charmingly simple movie but it's a classic fish out of water type thing and it's about this little bear winning over a family and winning over a lot of people it's kind of a modern take on the the classic but mm -hmm. they managed to do it without making it cynical because a lot of like too modern yeah a lot of modern takes on things that are very sweet like paddington is they always have to like make it a little edgy and i guess there is a villain in the story played by nicole kidman so that's Probably the closest they get to doing that. Right. But Paddington is still sweet and lovable Paddington. And I don't think you're going to find anyone who's seen this movie that can't talk about it without <laughs> using the word charming. Yeah, it's it is very charming. Very charming movie. And underneath everything, it does have like a good message about tolerance and acceptance. And really, the story of Paddington is an immigrant story. Because he is just that. He comes from Peru and he's been told that the British people are going to be very welcoming to him because that's how it had been in the past. And then he gets there and realizes that's not the case. He can't find his way around. He doesn't know how things work. People like his racist neighbor are calling the cops on him, thinking he's up to something. They said, <laughs> like, turn down that jungle music, you bear. <laughs> so it's not so thinly veiled that this is a stand-in for, like, racial tensions and right. and the plight of an immigrant into the United Kingdom. But it's done in such a sweet and charming way. It's not heavy-handed in any way. It definitely skews younger if you have kids of a wide age range. Maybe your 14-year-olds aren't going to love it as much, but the younger kids and the older ones who can appreciate it, I think, will, will hmm. like it more than those preteen ages. Right. Because what do they like anyway? Nothing. Fortnite and dabbing. That's all I like. Is dabbing still a thing? I'm going to say yes. I haven't been working with kids in a couple months since all of this happened, but I'm going to say they're still dabbing. <laughs> okay. Now they're doing it on TikTok. Yeah. Well, they were doing that then too. I know they were. <laughs> they dab and sneeze into their elbow now because that's how you, that's how we should teach kids to cover their coughs. If you just relate it to dabbing, then yeah. they'd be all over it. Oh, then it would be cool. People would be sneezing all over into their arm bends. Yeah, arm bends. <laughs> elbows. Elbows. I forgot the word for elbow. I call them arm knees myself. <laughs> and there is nothing that kids love more and are more receptive to in when adults take something that they love, that they think is cool, and try to make it about health. Right. Kids are really into that. You've seen Paddington, right? I think I actually got you to watch yeah, it a few years Yeah, we watched it together. It was a while ago, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was very sweet. Very... Um, like heartwarming 
And I do agree with you in that they didn't take it too far modernizing it. And Paddington wasn't creepy. No, no, he's That's so cute. That's one of the big things that I hate about the fact that they're doing live action animal movies now is a lot of the times your characters will end up looking kind of creepy um, because they're like either too lifelike and it's like weird the motions that they're doing or they're too animatronic looking. Yeah, they kind of get into that uncanny valley a lot of the times. And this is a good blend that it's, Mm -hmm. he doesn't look like a photorealistic bear, but he doesn't look like a cartoon either. It's kind of a, it's a good place. I remember when this came out, there was a a lot of criticism over the poster because it looked terrifying. Because it was just panning in by himself in like a big long place. And it looked like he was some sort of villain. Oh, okay. I don't remember that, but that, uh, I could see that happening for sure. And there's some good performances in it. One of my favorite is Sally Hawkins. She plays kind of the mom. I think her name's Mary Brown. But that's that chicken place, though. Maybe it's not Mary Brown. I think it's Mary Brown. I think it's Mary Brown. But anyway, Sally Hawkins is very is very charming. And then Hugh Bonneville is in it. And even Michael Gambon plays uh, the voice of Paddington's uncle. So that was kind of fun, too. But Paddington is so cute. I love that guy. Can you do a Paddington impression? You had to say, I'm Paddington Bear. That's his... Oh, I know. I'm Paddington Bear. Oh, I'm Paddington Bear. <laughs> that was pretty good. I think mine was pretty good. You were pretty good. I liked it. So, uh, check it out. It's on Netflix. Also, there's a sequel called Paddington 2, which is even more well-regarded. Uh, critically, it's one of the most well-reviewed movies of all time. What? It actually has the highest rating ever on Rotten Tomatoes. Huh. Because that is a perfect 100, but with the most reviews. Oh. So it's the highest rated movie of all time. Wow. On Rotten Tomatoes, Paddington 2. They're both very good. So check them out. Awesome. Are they both on Netflix? Yes, they're both available on Netflix. I just haven't watched two again recently, so I kind of don't remember all about it. Right. But you can watch them back to back. Yeah. We should watch it. We should. Paddington 2 is very good. It looks kind of like a Wes Anderson movie in a lot of ways. It's visually very interesting. Cool. That's awesome. Okay, well, Paddington and Paddington 2. Watch them. Yeah. What else you got to do? Come on. It's <laughs> very true. <laughs> what do you got, Sam? What are you watching? Um. Well, the first of my two Canadian gems uh, is Working Moms. Um. So this is a comedy show um, released by CBC, so the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Um, and it kind of centers around four... Um, moms working moms working moms oh i get it who um they all very different so you have like the hot mess mom and the mom who wants to be absolutely perfect and you have the mom who um isn't quite as involved and you have the like super career driven mom and it's um kind of neat to see them all interact and they kind of they meet in like a mom's group um, like a baby and me class. And uh, it's kind of neat to see how their lives kind of diverge and how they help each other out and how they support each other because they all have um, like babies that are pretty much the same age. So they get into hijinks. Oh, I love hijinks. <laughs> hijinks is fun. Um, and you get to meet their partners and you get to go into like a little bit of um, like more of their like family backstories as well. And um, there are four seasons of it. So it does kind of um, go way deeper than the first season. So keep watching because it's really good. Is it something that they're still making more seasons of? Yes. 
Oh. Yeah, the newest season just came out, I think, in early this year. Earlier this year, 2020. And is it available on Netflix? It's available on Netflix. And then CBC also has their own streaming app where it's they're all available. I do like, and I think we'll talk about this more with your second pick, uh-huh. that Canadian television is getting a worldwide audience over yeah. the last 20 years, which was not the case for a long time. Uh-huh. In fact, I kind of made movies for a while there. <laughs> and one of the nicest compliments you could pay a Canadian filmmaker for a long time was, that was great. It doesn't look Canadian at all. But these, this is one thing I like about this show is that it is very Canadian. It's set in Toronto and it's, it's like very proudly Canadian. And I don't mean that to say that it can't no, no. be set in Canada. I mean that for a very long time, the production values of Canadian film and television were substantially lower. Right. And so to look Canadian, and Canadian were like... meant it was a very special kind of <laughs> right. poor production. And now I'm seeing shows come up and they go, oh, this is Canadian. You must like it. And this is when I was living abroad. And I usually didn't give them a chance because they were Canadian. And then I watched them and I was like, this is legitimately good. And I was very surprised. I agree with that because I think we have a lot of things that are filmed in Canada because we have very diverse um, kind of range of uh, scenery and um, like different kinds of urban places that you can film in and uh i think that uh my next pick was part of the reason why i was so like open and willing to um watch working moms because i felt like it was probably something that i wouldn't have looked at because it was a cbc show and i don't know i haven't had great luck with cbc shows in the past because for many years they were terrible exactly so um i feel like this is giving me kind of a new a new appreciation you know what let's just Skip my turn for now and segue <laughs> right into your next pick so we don't have to tiptoe around it. Um, so my next one is uh, kind of internationally known just in the last couple of years since it was picked up by an American um, TV company. Uh, it's called Shit's Creek. Um, so this is one that both you and I have watched. And uh, it centers around a very wealthy family whose business manager screws them over. And they're forced to move into their only remaining asset because it isn't really worth anything. And it's the small town of Schitt's Creek, which was bought as a joke um, for somebody's birthday because they were that wealthy that, like, you could literally just buy a town and, like, like never do anything with it and it would be it's just funny um so this family um which is a brother and a sister and a husband and a wife and they um move into this little motel and uh it's kind of their story of them kind of relearning how to live life in this teeny tiny little small town And this is something that I was a little hesitant to watch because Canadian television hasn't treated me well for many years. (laughs) But then you see that Catherine O'Hara, who Uh I love, is starring with Eugene Levy, who I love. Also love, yeah. Who are both kind of Canadian comedic royalty, but I think their appeal goes goes beyond that. And they had success in the United States as well. And Eugene Levy's son, who I had not seen in anything before this... Dan Levy? Dan Levy. He'd done, um, like, MTV stuff, and I think he was on Much Music. Okay. Um, But he's mostly done, like, hosting things. I don't know that he's been in a lot of kind of acting. And who plays their daughter? Uh, Sarah Levy uh, is Twyla from The Diner. Oh, I meant, yes, 
there Eugene Levy's daughter is also in it, but who plays the daughter? Oh, the um, Annie Murphy. Um, so uh, Annie Murphy is a Canadian actress, and she is such an interesting story that now that she's become quite the star because the show has gotten so big, um, she uh, has done all these interviews where she talks about the fact that, like, literally her apartment burnt down, like, the day before her Shit's Creek audition. And um, she wasn't even going to go because she, like, didn't have a home, had, like, no money because – they like been kicked out of their condo because it was on fire and all of a sudden she was being encouraged to go like her boyfriend was like no go like do it I think it'll be perfect for you and maybe this is like your chance to turn it all around and uh then she ended up getting it and now she's like quite famous (laughs) yeah and I think the strength of this show is definitely those four well Mm -hmm. of course they're the leads and you have all these kind of colorful characters around town. But those four, those characters are so well written. Yeah. They're so specifically, uniquely strange and hilarious. They don't fit any set of archetypes or anything like that. They're uniquely ridiculous. And in less capable hands, they could have just been silly. Mm -hmm. But those four actors give such strong performances that they're really able to, to elevate it into something that's just lovable and hilarious and ridiculous and all of those things together they're Mm -hmm. um yeah they the four of them all of them do such great jobs at any time someone asks like well who's your favorite it's so hard to pick so hard switches episode to episode yes it does because each episode will have um kind of a different problem for a different character and like the entire family will be in it but you get focusing on each character and it just makes you love each one of them a little bit more. Um, and it's six seasons long. I haven't watched the last half of the sixth season because I'm just like not ready for the show to be over. Oh, interesting. Um, so I have like three or four episodes left and I'm just like I'm I'm putting it off because I don't want this to be the end, which is like. And I'm sure the ending, having not seen it, it's going to be a very heartfelt and sad thing I've because heard it's really good because this show also has i feel like i'm just kind of saying the same thing <laughs> yeah. a lot of like well it has that but it also has a heart to it it does but that's what elevates these mm-hmm. shows and that's why we're talking about these specific exactly. things exactly that it is a really heartfelt sweet show at mm-hmm. times but also it's so ridiculous and hilarious yeah it's really good i good pick i really enjoy that show myself one of my favorite things um and i think this comes from dan levy being one of like the show creators like with his dad is that um he created this world where nobody is judged for their sexuality or their preferences or like their quirks um and it's like judgment free no one's um like hateful or racist or anything like that it's kind of like this ideal little world that is just such a nice place to kind of escape to. Yeah, it is kind of like an alternate reality where Mm -hmm. everyone's idiosyncrasies are heightened, Mm -hmm. yet there's no judgment for any of those. And you get to see such a bizarre group of characters interacting. And yeah, it makes for a very good show. Yeah, and the growth that... Like, the four main characters, but also, like, everyone else in the town. Um, The growth that everyone goes through is really awesome to see throughout the entire show. All six seasons. Or one of the six seasons I've seen. (laughs) 
So I um, highly recommend Schitt's Creek. And it's one of those shows um, that I'll watch just an episode or two of every so often just because it's like it's a fun little escape and it's like feel good. Yeah, definitely. And it's really going to be remembered as a touchstone of Canadian comedy. Mm -hmm. Because although I think a lot of Canadian media doesn't do terribly well in the United States, I think we do have a great history of comedic actors and comedic shows. Most of them would then go to the United States and work on American productions. Mm -hmm. But all of those people that came from things like SCTV and um, Kids in the Hall, which we will do on the show because I think it's one of the five (laughs) greatest shows ever made. Oh, okay. But the goal always was to make it on a show like that so you can make it in America. So you can go to Hollywood. You can work on SNL. You can be a writer. You can be in movies. You can be the next John Candy or Eugene Levy or Mike Myers or Jim Mm -hmm. Carrey, whoever it is. But with the success of this show, what I would love is if staying in Canada becomes an alternative. Mm -hmm. Like Maybe I don't need to go to Hollywood to say that I've made it. Maybe we can then start doing these productions here in Canada because there are those CBC shows that are doing well. But that is something that is funded largely by the government because it's a uh, it's a public television station we have here that's, yes. that's putting on the shows that we're talking about here. And I would love to see the private sector kind of go into that, the to have films made here more often. But mm-hmm. then again, our government here in Alberta, at least, recently said like no we don't want any movies coming here we're gonna take away all of that funding Uh, yeah i would love to see not just cbc television shows do well but people uh, make successful films in canada because i know i tried and failed but maybe someone else could do that (laughs) um i think it's really amazing because they're also being uh nominated for american awards um so i think that really speaks highly, and I, I'm ex- kind of excited to see what else will come out of Canada and be very authentically Canadian after this. Yeah, and a lot of the things that have been successful are, they really lean into the Canadian aspect of it. Like, Corner Gas, whether we like it or not, did very well, and yes. that, was, that was great to see. And this is similar in that way. Mm-hmm. What made me realize how successful it is, because of course, like I watch it and you watch it, Mm -hmm. but I don't really know how it's doing worldwide. But uh, last Halloween, you were saying like, oh, I should be one of the characters from Schitt's Creek. And I was like, oh, everyone's going to do that. And then when I looked on Instagram, of course, everyone was doing that. But so many of my friends in the United States and even in England, they were dressed as them. It's huge. So that made me realize like, oh, this is actually successful around the world. And that's that's pretty awesome to say see yeah so i um feel like everybody needs something kind of feel good right now and schitt's creek i think is that show um because i feel like there are things that everyone can kind of latch on to in this show yeah so check it out schitt's creek it's available on both netflix and amazon prime video yeah so it, it's kind of it's kind of everywhere so um check that out and i believe um pop tv in the states has an app um where all of the episodes are available Oh, yeah, because Canadian Netflix might have different... It does definitely have different things it than does. American Netflix. And Pop TV is like our CBC. So they um, they both have the streaming rights to it. Cool. Yeah, so check that out. So, Indy, what do you, what do you have for our last pick before you tell me our main pick? 
So I was watching Amazon video last night and just kind of <laughs> flipping around like, oh, what's on here? I need to find something that I can talk about. And there are so many great movies. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could talk about this for so long. But instead, I'm going to do the opposite. I found something that I'd never seen before, put it on, and it was hilarious. It's called A Very Special Episode. <laughs> and this is actually a funny or die segment mm -hmm. that they have on Amazon Prime because a lot of funny or die stuff is on there. So that's always something fun to check out. Yeah. So what this is, is each episode is between three and six minutes long, <laughs> not much. And it's a recap with a little bit of commentary on 80s and 90s sitcom episodes. And I think a lot of people of a certain age will understand what we mean when we say a very special episode, because those were episodes of these fluffy, silly, often terrible shows that would try to deal with something very serious. And usually they would do a pretty terrible job of it. And this is a little recap of those. Yeah. Um, we watched a couple before this episode and uh, they were quite funny. And they're good for explaining kind of who the people are because there were a couple of shows that we watched um, like the special episode for and uh, I hadn't seen them before but I still felt like I knew what was going on. Yeah, so for instance, they recap the episode of Family Matters when Steve Urkel comes in, teaches everyone a dance, and then accidentally gets drunk. And of course, you know what happens if you have one drink, which he does, you fall off a roof because yes. you think, yeah, I could probably fly and balance on this. Exactly. And then he falls off the roof. Aunt Rachel has a tight rope walk over to save him, and we learn the dangers of alcohol. And were you, did you watch Family Matters growing up? No, I did not. You don't even know about Family Matters, right? I don't. So you don't even know who Steve Urkel is? Not really. Only Ooh. like peripherally because like pop culture is like a thing. It's so hard to overemphasize the impact of Steve Urkel on American culture for a while there. He was so big, like way bigger than he should be. Like, Who do you think's famous right now in the world? Well, after our Lighthouse episode, Robert Pattinson. Oh, Steve Urkel was way bigger than Robert Pattinson. <laughs> okay. That's how that's how big he was. He was the Pattinson and Timothy Chalamet of his day. <laughs> he was that big. Okay. There was cereal. There were Urkelos. Really? Yeah. That's like Steve Urkel was a cultural phenomenon. Wow. And it's terrible. Don't believe that I am saying that this was a great time. No, this was like probably a low point in uh, in pop culture in a lot of ways. <laughs> but it's how important that show was is oh. crazy. Um, I had no idea that it was like that important in culture. But I digress. They also talk about episodes uh, Boy Meets World where Sean joins a cult, which <laughs> I showed you that episode. Yes, we watched that one. It was funny. Uh, there's that time on Fresh Prince when Will gets shot and then Carlton's really grumpy about it and goes out and buys a gun and learns like, no, you don't have to solve violence. <laughs> How's he getting shot in Bel Air? It's yeah, in Bel Air. It is Bel Air. There's also an episode of Fresh Prince where Will and Uncle Phil accidentally go to a, I don't know, brothel. <laughs> and then he says, like, make sure you don't tell the women about this, which is, yeah, it's a weird thing to say. Yeah. But one of my favorites is there's an episode of Family Ties and Tom Hanks is a guest star. He plays Michael J. Fox's Uncle Ned and he's like a raging alcoholic. He's just, he pounds back like 
10 beers and then he's like all right let's go for a beer run and it's the middle of the night so michael j fox is like no everything's closed and he's like all right i'll teach you a little secret kid watch this and then he just starts pounding vanilla like vanilla extract oh and then he's like drinking maraschino cherries and stuff because there's, oh, there's alcohol in this so it was so so over the top and and just insane and then it's also a young tom hanks which is really funny huh. and um at one point <laughs> i love when you explain things and you laugh because you haven't even told me what it is yet <laughs> would you believe there was a time in 80s sitcom television where a drunk on vanilla tom hanks would slap the shit out of a teenage michael j fox no i would not but believe that happened that. on this episode that's funny oh it was crazy there was that show Dinosaurs, which was a ripoff of The Simpsons, but everything's an animatronic dinosaur, where, like, the teenage boy gets, like, ripped on steroids and then starts, like, picking fights and everything. <laughs> and I think he kind of roughs up a girl at one point. Oh. Like, his date, because he's trying to impress a girl. Right. So he needed to get muscular. Oh, of course. Then he get there's too many steroids and uh, kind of roids out on her. Wow. There's the episode of Mr. Belvedere when a kid has AIDS and it still has, like, a laugh track. So, like, they make assumptions, like, one of the other children, because it's a, like, an eight-year-old boy has mm-hmm. AIDS in this show. And someone else says, like, AIDS, what are they? And then there's, like, a laugh track. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's oh, weird. That's funny. It's not funny. <laughs> of course, they talk about what's probably the most famous, very special episode of all time. The episode of Different Strokes, where there's a, uh, just a child molester, where he gets the boys like to come like oh you want to ride bikes yeah come in here do you want some wine hey kids love wine right and they get like all drunk on wine and he was like you know what we should play tarzan you should take off your shirt here's some pictures of naked people and the kids are like whoa and it's just in this 22 minute comedic sitcom and it's just about child molestation that's crazy there's also an episode of the wayne's brother show where Marlon, who's like an aspiring actor, his life is ruined because he does, he smokes marijuana. And so he like smokes a joint and then goes nuts and is like acting like he's on, I don't know, because I don't know drugs that do that to you. Bath salts? He's just running around crazy. Yeah, that, yeah. And then they talk directly to the camera at the end of like, marijuana is not a joke. And this is Marlon Wayans, who later would play a character named Smokey in so many <laughs> movies, whose main characteristic was like, he just smokes weed all the time. That's all he does. <laughs> and then he's doing that. Uh, there's an episode of the Golden Girls where uh, Rose, played by Betty White, kills a man by having sex with him too hard. There's the time on Boy Meets World where Sean joins the mafia. That was kind of fun. Or on Growing Pains when Matthew Perry is a drunk driver and then dies. (laughs) It's pretty, pretty hardcore. And maybe you've seen this one. Uh, There's an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch where they tell her like, oh, don't have pancakes. Your family has a a tradition of being addicted to pancakes. She's like, no, that'll never happen to me. So she has some pancakes and then goes pancake crazy and starts taking everyone's pancakes. And she becomes a pancake addict clearly a stand-in for drugs but it's so clumsily done it's it's bizarre but yeah this is a little thing it's available on amazon or you can just watch it on the funnier or die website they're all pretty funny and they kind of remind you of all these ridiculous things from the 80s and 90s yeah they're uh they're fun to watch and they're quick and little so they're like kind of kind of nice in length 
for uh, just like a quick watch. And they do a lot of episodes of that show Seventh Heaven, which is something that I'm not familiar with. But I think it's like a Christian morals type of show. And it seems nuts and very confusing with all the pregnant carjackers and things like that. Oh, yeah, the pregnant car. We watched that one. Pregnant carjackers. Seventh Heaven seems like a very confusing show that I feel like I kind of want to watch just to understand it more. I feel like I need to watch it. Because there's a lot of Christian morality, but then their morals are also like, you should have as many babies as possible, but be married and don't enjoy it. If you enjoy sex, you're going to hell. Yeah, you're bad. Yeah. It's a, it's a bizarre show. So all you Seventh Heaven fans, hit us up. Let us know what it's about. Yeah, give us give us a quick rundown because we don't get it. <laughs> So, Indy, I think we've come to the part of the show where uh, it's time for you to introduce me to the next thing that we'll be watching. Oh, yes. So very much like my last two picks, I didn't do a lot of prep this week. A lot of times I come at you with everything kind of laid out and I really think about things and ruminate and rewatch. And I didn't this time. Instead, I went to my DVD cabinet and I was like, oh, I should do this and this and this. And there's so many great movies. But then I also think I was going to do uh, I'm a Cyborg and that's okay. But probably people don't have access to that right now. So then I went back to Amazon and said, what's on here that a lot of people can watch? True. That's a good point. I came across the movie City of God. Oh. I watched this when it came out. That was in 2002. And at the time... I thought, this is one of the best movies. I thought it was just amazing. And I've forgotten all about it in the last 20-ish years. So I'm very curious because I would love to rewatch it because I haven't seen it since it was in theaters back then to see if it's as great as I thought it was and to see what you think about it. And I thought it's something that we can all watch together. Yeah. Me, you, our audience out there. And we can all kind of discover it together. Awesome. Okay. So City of God is a Brazilian film from 2002. So it's in Portuguese. Oh. Uh, The tagline for the movie is one thing that I remember because it was one of my favorites. It says, if you run, the beast catches you. If you stay, the beast eats you. Which I really like because it's not about any sort of um, monster or anything. It's about uh, crime and poverty in the favelas of Brazil. Oh. Specifically one which is referred to as the City of God. So it's based on a book, and the book is based on true events. Oh. So it was a all-out drug war in the 70s and 80s in Brazil. And when I say all-out drug war, I mean people are just fighting with guns in the streets. The police seemed like they could not control it. Or as we learned through the movie, perhaps they were unwilling to control it. It was nominated for four Academy Awards for cinematography, director, film editing, and writing. And I think the thing I remember about it most is its very unique visual style. Not in that any sort of effects, but it's very fast-paced in its editing, yet is very fluid. The camera always seems to be kind of floating around and it's at odds with its fast editing and with its style of acting and subject matter. Uh And I think it's truly beautiful, just like a a really beautiful movie to watch. I hope it is as beautiful as I remember. 
but not beautiful in the way that like look at these sprawling vistas or anything like that it's going through a lot of areas that are not glamorous or as far from glamorous as you can imagine but how the camera moves was so unique in this movie that it uh i remember it after all these years it also is kind of a, a cinema verite almost uh, cinema verite meaning similar to a documentary style. Okay. So that came out for things that were documentaries or docudramas. And this has a lot of that, but kind of goes into the docufiction almost. Because mm-hmm. it is a true story. And these are representations of actual people. And the actors in this movie aren't actors. Oh. There's one person who was an actor. The rest are almost all actual people from the favelas. Oh. So that kind of gets into the the neorealism or like the Italians did back in the 60s. And the thinking back then was, we are giving you real life stories. Whether or not it's fictional or not, these are real people. These are real sets. They're not sets. It's the real places where all of these things actually happen. Oh, cool. And that is unique to City of God. And... How it's different from all of that uh, cinema verite and the Italian neorealism is with those camera movements I was talking about. Because Mm -hmm. usually things like that would be shot very plainly in a documentary style because they're trying to be as close to a documentary as possible, even if they have a script. Right. But this has very elaborate camera movement, uh, no scripts. So all of these non-actors improvised everything. Oh, cool. So it's something that we really haven't covered. It's not something that's especially rare or uncommon, but maybe not in things that get a lot of mainstream success. Right. So it's a crime film over everything. It is kind of a, a docudrama as well. And a lot of people compared it to Tarantino when it came out, which I didn't see as much. I think it's more Scorsese-like in the storytelling, but I think it owes a lot more to the Italian neorealists than anything. (laughs) Um, I'll be the judge of that. All right. (laughs) Well, let's take a look at a little trailer so you can get a kind of feel about what I'm talking about here. Nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Director and Best Adapted Screenplay. Rio de Janeiro, the beach, the nightlife, the romance. But 15 miles from paradise (laughs) is a place called the City of God. A place where one man must infiltrate a war between two crime lords to tell a story the world needs to know. very interesting that trailer is so 2002 it is very 2002 in a world it's one of those types which and lots of like flashing pictures yeah i couldn't find a better trailer because the ones that kind of encapsulate the feeling of the movie more Mm -hmm. are all in portuguese and wouldn't really work for for the podcast right but that does tell you what it's about it kind of makes it too much like an action movie which there is action. There's also violence in this movie. So oh. that's a little little lookout for everyone out there if you're not into that sort of thing. 
I think this does a great job of not glamorizing any sorts of violence. And they actually cut away, usually when that kind of stuff's happening. Oh. But it's it's a very violent story, including some sexual violence. So if that's an issue for you, maybe skip it. But I don't... It doesn't show anything, and I definitely don't think anything's gratuitous. Right. What do you think about it going in? What are you expecting? Um, I'm expecting something probably more violent than I like, but I am open to new kinds of movies. But you love Game of Thrones and don't consider that violent. No. <laughs> well, it's not even one-tenth of the violence of Game of Thrones. Oh, That's okay. That's for sure. So I'll be fine. I think you don't even see people get shot, but it's implied. Right. And it also has a man whose name I can never pronounce. I think it's Seu George. And he is a fantastic musician. And he did this whole album of acoustic Portuguese covers of David Bowie songs. And he's featured in uh, The Life Aquatic, most famously. Oh. And he's in this. So it's really cool to see him. Cool. But this was before he had uh, been in any sort of movie, I think. And there's only one of the characters who was actually an actor. The rest are just people that they found. That's so neat. Yeah. That's such a cool concept for something that is like so very specific for like what it needs to look like and what it needs to feel like and kind of the atmosphere. I think using real people for that is kind of neat. Yeah, because when you think about it, it makes the most sense. If you're telling a real story that happened in a certain place that involves certain people, mm -hmm. if you could get people from there and just go to that place, why not do that? Exactly. But I guess there are all sorts of reasons why not to, but I'm sure it fails a lot. But this case, I think, was, was a great success. So I'm really interested in watching this one again. It is very well regarded because I was wondering did I just love it because I was whatever a teenager just starting into film production and that yeah. kind of thing but a lot of people regard it as one of the the hundred best movies ever made and that sort of thing wow so I'm really curious to watch this again yeah I'm excited I love when you pick movies that you haven't seen recently because I know we'll both sometimes rewatch something just to make sure that it's like what we want to use on the podcast and I think this is kind of neat to rewatch something that you saw way long ago. It's funny because I had a list on my phone of 60 movies that I love and would love to talk about. <laughs> and then for some reason, I was just like, I don't want to prep all the stuff about that one, why it's so great. So let's just go into this one blind. I think it's going to be good. Okay, excellent. So City of God. City of God from 2002. You can check it out on Amazon or probably all sorts of other places. I'm sure. Or you can come over to my place. I have the DVD. You can borrow that. Yeah. We'll pass it down off the balcony to you. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope everyone has a great week, and uh, we will see you back next Monday to talk about City of God. See you then. Bye, Bye everyone.